0: Welcome to Season 10 of American Political History, the North American Contest, the Ohio Valley. After the war, a joint commission of dignitaries from France and England were to establish and figure out the permanent boundaries between Acadia and Nova Scotia. These dignitaries would include Governor Shirley of Massachusetts. The commission would quickly stagnate into a mire of European diplomatic machinations, When the two English dignitaries provided proof of the charter of the long-established English colonies, the French delegates would start bickering about the ownership of a particular small, unimportant island in the West Indies. Whitehall quickly realized that this commission was going to go nowhere, but they did not want the political optics to look like they were the country that withdrew from peace talks. The French were using the diplomatic effort as a cover for their advances into the Ohio Valley. Virginia and Pennsylvania's land speculators were also eyeing the same Ohio Valley. Those in the know understood that wealth was not going to be gained over the precise measurements of the boundary of Nova Scotia or an island in the West Indies or a fishing claim in the North Atlantic. Wealth was going to be gained by the country that controlled access to the rich interiors of North America. The French were determined to join Canada with Louisiana, Their goal was not merely to use the Mississippi River's geography, but to create a line of forts through the Ohio Valley, which would cut off the English colonies to the interior of North America. By sealing off the English colonies, this would allow the French to dominate the vast interior themselves. The biggest problem for the French was that the Iroquois claimed the Ohio Valley by right of conquest, not some arbitrary land claims. The English claimed that since the Iroquois had been recognized by the French since 1713 as British subjects, the English crown already had the right to the Ohio Valley since the Treaty of Lancaster in 1744. In 1744, Iroquois diplomats met with representatives from Pennsylvania, Maryland, and Virginia, where they would sign the Treaty of Lancaster. In return for minor concessions, the Iroquois received gifts including 800 pounds sterling of Pennsylvania currency and 300 pounds sterling worth of gold, as well as the acknowledgement of three colonial governments of the Onondaga's supremacy over several southern native nations. Henceforth, the Onondaga would speak for and on behalf of the Delaware and Shawnee nations. They also received Virginia's approval that the iroquois warriors may pass through virginia's territory to attack the cherokees and catawba virginia was even obligated to provide provisions to their warriors to prevent them from scavenging the countryside the iroquois would concede all current land disputes with virginia and maryland kaanastigov the onondaga sachem who is negotiating on behalf of the league had only understood that he was giving claim to the shenandoah valley He had, in fact, traded away the whole of the Ohio Valley. By the spring of 1745, the Virginia Assembly had issued land deeds to nearly a million acres to the Ohio Company of Virginia, and after King George's war had ended, settlers would begin crossing the Appalachian Mountains in larger and larger numbers. This immigration would contribute to the cracking of the solidarity of the League itself, with the eastern peoples far more used to living amongst English settlements, choosing continued cooperation with New York. The French claimed the Ohio River Valley by their right of exploration since La Salle explored the region in 1679. We now know today, given notes in his journal, that he likely never set foot in the Ohio Valley, not that that was at all relevant to the people and politics of the 18th century. But all parties knew possession is nine-tenths of the law. It was now a race to claim and possess the Ohio Valley, regardless of how weak your territorial claim was. The French responded with an exploratory expedition with the purpose of planting metal posts declaring France's claim to those lands. The posts were decorated with the French king's coat of arms and a warning to all that France had claimed the surrounding lands. Joseph Blainville, would lead an expedition of 200 soldiers and 30 native scouts. They left Montreal on June 15, 1749. They would travel down the east end of Lake Erie, passing Lake Chittaqua, and entering the headwaters of the Allegheny. At modern Warren, Pennsylvania, a post would claim that the Allegheny River and all territory on both sides of the river shall fall under the territory of the King of France and was to be maintained by arms and treaties the expedition would meet the Seneca Sachems, where they told the Seneca that the English were invaders and since the Seneca lived in French lands, they were duty-bound to expel any English merchants. The expedition then confronted six English merchants whom they expelled by threat of force and told them to deliver a letter to Pennsylvania's governor in which Blainville wrote that a shock and surprise at the English for trespassing on French territory. The French were, of course, claiming territory to which the Seneca had controlled for generations. The Seneca Sachems promptly promised cooperation to the French and ignored them the moment they left. The expedition's next stop was in modern economy Pennsylvania. There, a large temporary trading post had been set up by the Mingo, Delaware, and Shawnee nations. The French expedition forced the English merchants to flee. Bainville warned the natives that... The English intend to rob you of your country and countryside, which belong to the French. Blainville would record in his journal that the greatest obstacle to the French control of the Ohio Valley was how far English merchants had penetrated into the Indian trade, and that English merchants were able to sell goods in much lower cost than the French merchants could ever offer, which was enticing the natives to do business with the English over the French. His expedition next placed another post at the mouth of the Muskingum River and then along the Kadanawha River. After that, the expedition arrived at the mouth of the Miami River, where they would erect their last signpost. The expedition would then head north, arriving at the Miami Nation's village in modern Pequot, Ohio. This village was ruled by a sachem who most people simply referred to as Old Britain because his reputation of hospitality toward English merchants. Bainville tried to persuade the Sachem to move his settlement back to the main Miami settlement near the headwaters of the Maumee River, modern Fort Wayne, Indiana. Both parties knew that this location would be less accessible to English merchants, and so the Miami Sachem politely declined the French expedition's demands. Finally arriving back in Montreal before the harshness of winter set in, Bainville reported to the governor of Canada that English merchants had penetrated deep into the Ohio River Valley and urged the governor of Canada to help establish the French presence in the Ohio Valley. During the King George's War, after New England had captured Fort Louisburg, that had cut off sea lanes that supplied Montreal merchants with trade goods. Native nations had looked elsewhere for trade goods and turned in large numbers to the English colonial merchants. Pennsylvania and Virginia merchants were able to offer goods at prices no French merchant could match. In less than three years, English merchants had expanded their trade connections into what is today Illinois and Iowa. So without permanent French trading posts in the Ohio Valley region, it would inevitably gravitate to the English sphere of influence. The governor of Canada responded by licensing several French trading companies to set up fortified trading posts in the Ohio Valley. And in June 1752, France attacked their once-allied nation of Miami. They attacked the village of Pickawilney, where they would kill Old Britain. Miami Satan sent urgent messages to Pennsylvania and Virginia for aid. Pennsylvania's assembly was dominated by Quakers who refused to become entangled in war. Virginia had no compelling reason to support a nation who lived at such a great distance from them and predominantly traded with Pennsylvania anyways. The Miami would quietly return to the protection of their French father, King Louis the Fifteenth, And the Miami would set an example for other nations in the Ohio Valley who wished to be friendly with English merchants. The French then moved to build forts along the Ohio River and in June 1753, they built another fort at modern Erie, Pennsylvania, and in July, a second fort at modern French Creek. The Seneca sachem, Tanakrasun warned the French not to descend down the Allegheny River. The French captain responded to the sachem, The Allegheny River belongs to the French king, whose only interest is in protecting the native nations that live along the river's shore so that those people can engage in trade with the French to supply the necessities of their life. In the fall of 1753, the Iroquois would meet in council to discuss how to handle the French incursion into their territory. William Johnson challenged the Sachems asking, Have the French been moving into the Ohio Valley with your consent? Their actions are so bold and extraordinary, and the Iroquois' actions so passive, it is hard for one not to consider that they are doing so with your blessing." The Iroquois sachems responded, We don't know what you English and French intend together. We are so hemmed in by both that we have hardly a hunting place left without your interference. Thank you for listening to this episode of American Political History. If you want to support the show, please subscribe and leave a five-star rating, and share this show with someone you think would enjoy listening. Thank you again, and until next time.